Welcome to the Calvary Podcast. Get ready to dive into an inspiring message. Our aim is to share teachings that bring transformation and hope to your life. So, open your heart, be ready to listen, and prepare for a powerful encounter with the Word. Let's get started. I've been sharing with you this message on healing, being healed, healed. You know, we've started here in Colossians chapter 1 and verses 13 and 14. I want to read this. I want you to, I want you to look at this. And, and, and again, I'm going to take us one more step in this healing today, all right? Colossians 1 and verse 13. My voice is a little ragged today. Uh, I'm not, it has nothing to do with me crying, okay? It's just a little sinus. <laughs> Colossians 1, 13. Let's look at these two verses. For he has rescued us. I'm not sure what this says, rescued. Uh, many verses say delivered us, okay? It's a powerful word. Guys, I want you to get this. this what we're learning is so important about how we live in the kingdom of God. And, and so important, we're, we're going to take it another step today. And I really believe in, in, in this time we have that God wants us to take a fresh look at our authority as a believer in Jesus Christ. It's really critical we get this. I don't think we understand it as we should. So Colossians 1, part of this blessing of healing, of, of being delivered, is this, this new life he gives us. So, for he has rescued us. Delivered us from what? The dominion, the kingdom, the authority of darkness. He's speaking of Satan's kingdom, okay? We're delivered from that. How does that happen? And he brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom, Jesus, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You know, we have so many different voices and spinoffs and theories and groups today let me break it down and make it very simple. It may be challenging to someone today. My point is not to uh, be unkind, to be, uh, uh, you know, to be detrimental to anyone, but I want you to understand something. If what we read in Scripture, there are only two spiritual kingdoms on this earth. There are only two. There are only two spiritual kingdoms on this earth. There are many offshoots, but two. If I'm not in the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ, I'm still living under here this kingdom of darkness. Now, many, many people on this planet that don't know Christ have not said, well, I want to be in this kingdom, or I worship the devil, or I like what's going on here, but I want to reiterate and say to us again, there are only two spiritual kingdoms on this earth. We are either in the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ, or we are still over here trapped in this kingdom of darkness. Now, Satan loves to deceive, and he loves to go underground, and he loves to go unnoticed. No one that uh, hasn't accepted Christ as their Savior, the vast majority are not demon worshipers and witchcraft and, and evil and wicked. They just haven't been released out of this kingdom to be the person God really called them to be. And we have to understand that Satan is very happy for people to be living over here in this kingdom of darkness and not realize what's really going on. There are people every day that are trying to understand, why can't I kick this addiction? Why can't I get out of this habit? Why can't my life change? Why every year I turn over a New Year's resolution and I never make it? Why does it seem not to work? Why does it seem like there's this generational curse on my family and maybe that term wouldn't be used but they might say why does this pattern repeat again and again and again 
Why in my family is there a history of this kind of thing going on? I don't understand what's happening. I don't know why someone won't love me. I don't know why I can't make my relationships work. And so what happens, Satan is fine and happy as long as people are trapped and deceived and not understanding what he's doing to them over here. He's fine with that. But we have to understand that through Jesus Christ, we can be delivered from that kingdom and put in the care and the kingdom and the dominion and the authority of Christ. It's very critical we understand that. We have to see what's going on. The Bible even tells us in Ephesians 6, as believers, our battle is not with flesh and blood, what I can see. My battle is with spiritual forces of hell. And so oftentimes, even as Christians, we forget that. And when we're having relationship issues and troubles, we think it's a person. It's really not always a person. It's what's behind that person. It doesn't mean that person knows they're being used of the enemy. It doesn't mean that person is is an emissary of hell knowingly. But what we have to realize is that many times the battles, the struggles we have really are based on the spiritual dominion of those two kingdoms. So when we say kingdom, we think of dominion, authority, rule, rulers, Jesus Christ, God the Father, head of the kingdom of God, ruler of the kingdom of God, Satan, the ruler of his dark kingdom. And his goal is to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy in any way that he can. The only way we get out of this place over here is we're delivered, transferred, rescued by the cross of Jesus Christ. I love this word deliver here. I haven't shared this with you. It carries a dual meaning. This always shows the heart of God. When he says we're delivered, when we look here again at verse 13, for he has rescued us. Or delivered us. The the word literally means to draw to oneself and to rescue. See, I love this about Christ. He not only brought us out from under the control of Satan, he brought us to himself. It's not just, okay, you're free. He says, you're free to be with me. He wants us with himself. And that's important. So what does that look like? How do I get out of this place? How do I get out of this kingdom of darkness? How do I break out of this control that's over my life? Well, When we understand who Jesus is and what he came to do, that he died on the cross for our sins, when we come to the recognition there's no way out of this place for me but through Christ. Do you understand that? I can't work my way out of that kingdom. I can't earn my way out of that kingdom. I can't do good works to get out of this kingdom. I can't blame other people. I can't go to false religion. The only way I get out of that place is through Jesus Christ. What does that look like? I simply come to a recognition of that, and you know what I have to do? This is hard for people today. Can you see Satan weaving in the mindset to keep us from the very first step out? The first thing I have to do to get out of this kingdom is repent of my sins. Acknowledge I'm wrong. Boy, that's hard for people to do today. Do you know that people spend most of their time arguing why they're not wrong? Excusing why they're not wrong? Blaming why they're not wrong? And the only way I ever get out of here is acknowledge Jesus Christ is the only way out for me. I have sinned. Is everybody listening to your pastor today? I have to repent. I will never leave this place until I acknowledge my sin. I own what I've done. It's it's not anybody else in this issue. Are you with me? See, we do you understand why this is so entrenched? Why Satan has so deceived our culture over here in this kingdom of darkness? Everyone is a victim today. Everybody blames who they are on someone else today. Listen to me closely. 
No one else over here died for you on the cross. No one else over here that hurt you is going to be your ticket out. I have to come to the place where I realize I may have been victimized. I may have been mistreated. I may have been lied to. I may have been abused. But there's only one way for me to get out of this place. It's not by revenge. It's not by bitterness. It's not by blaming, excusing, saying I'm a victim. The way I get out of here is say, God, they did what they did, but I did what I did. I repent of my sins. I acknowledge Jesus Christ died on the cross. I acknowledge that's the only way my life is going to change. Forgive me. Forgive me. I repent. Everybody with me? That's all I can do because Jesus has done the rest. You can't save yourself. You can't fight your way out. We can't earn our way out. We repent. I I sin. I'm sorry. Jesus, I believe in you. You know what happens in that moment? We're forgiven just like that. It's wiped away. Isn't that amazing? It's wiped away. Your slate is clean. Your sins are forgiven. God looks at you as if you had never sinned before. Come on. Somebody needs to be excited about that. And so not only when we repent am I forgiven, I'm delivered. I'm rescued from that place. He picks me up and puts me over here and heals all the broken places in you. That's what this whole thing is about. Healed people. People that live on this side. People that were over here and now we live in the kingdom of God. And when he heals us and puts us back together again, he fills us with the Holy Spirit so we're not walking around empty. It's not just that we left there, it's that we live over here. We, we, we live over here. We're healed, delivered, filled with the Holy Spirit. How many are thankful you've been transferred out of this place over here? Last week we talked about the carnal nature. Don't you wish that that, <laughs> that part of us stayed over here, but that old carnal nature comes over here too with us. And so we have to learn how to walk that out. If you didn't hear the message last week, I think it would really help you if you would get that podcast. But today, here's what I want us to focus on. Here's some words, some, some uh, privileges, some opportunities that come to us living in this kingdom we've been brought into. Words like this, authority, alignment, adoption, ambassadors. It's a radical transformation from there to here. It's an entirely new mindset. Let let, let me help us with some things. How did we get over here? (laughs) How did we all wind up over there? Why does it look the way it looks? How did we get into this circumstance, in this situation? How did we get in this place? Let let me quickly take you through some things. Let's go to Genesis 1. Uh, I can always tell who's never read their Bible if you can't find Genesis. Genesis 1. Come on. Don't fake it till you make it. Use the table of contents. Everybody with me? How did we get over here? How did this incredible God who loves us and is for us uh, and have this plan, how did we get over here? What happened to us? What happened to our culture? Why is our world like it is today? Look at God's original plan. Genesis 1, 26, 27, 28. I'm talking today about the authority God's invested in us. What happened to that? How do we regain it? Genesis 1, verse 26. Let's look at this. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Now, I don't want to rock anybody's boat, but that word really translates a Hebrew word for mankind. So, ladies, you're in this thing. You with me? Mankind. All right. So, so uh, God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let them rule, have dominion. See those same words? 
What happened in Colossians? Satan had dominion over us. Through the cross, now we're under the dominion, the authority, the control of God. But if you look initially, you got to see this. God's plan from the beginning was what? That we live in his kingdom. That we walk in the relationship with him. So what did God do? He says here, let's, let, let's make man in our image. Let them rule. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over livestock, over all the earth, over all the earth. God put Adam and Eve on this planet to have dominion over all the earth. Everything he created. They were his representatives on this earth. They were given dominion under him. Everybody see that? I don't think we ever understand that at times. Over all the creatures, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. What happens next? God blessed them. He blessed us. He blessed his plan. He created this incredible earth. And he put Adam and Eve on it, representing him to have dominion. And he blessed him. And what did he say? Be fruitful. Increase in number. Fill the earth. Subdue it. What does it say next? Rule over. Fish of the sea, birds of the air, every living creature moves on the ground. Do you see the original creation of God? For us, we were never created to be under the dominion, the authority, the plan of Satan. He created us to represent him on this earth and rule this planet under him. Have dominion under him. Now, I want to help you. When I say rule, I'm not talking about by force, by armies. Are you with me? But by the presence and the spirit and the goodness of God to represent him, to keep his order going. Are you with me? God entrusts you that much. But what happened to this thing? Chapter 3, look at me, verse 16. You know the story, the account, not the story. Let's make sure the narrative of what really happened. God created them. He put them in the garden. And he says, this whole thing's yours except that one tree. Do you know that God gave man free will? From the beginning, we had free will. Do you know what happened? We used that will to disobey him. He said, you can have anything here but this one tree. Do you ever feel like when you get to heaven, you want to go to Adam and Eve and slap them on the back of the head? Come on, tell the truth. Maybe when I get to heaven, I'll be more sanctified. But I think about that sometimes. Come on, let's be honest. I'd like to just slap them on the back of the head. Is that okay for a pastor to say that? Say, you knucklehead, what were you thinking about? Because what happened is so far-reaching. It's, it's beyond imagination. Look at verse 16. So they ate of the tree, and what was the result of that? Now, remember this rule, this relationship they had with God. He walks with them in the cool of the day. He brings the animals to Adam. He names every one of them. Do you know that the psychologists and, and doctors tell us that as best we can understand, we probably use only 10% of our brain capacity. We lost so much, so much failed, so much potential forfeited. So what was the deal? Genesis 1 verse 16. To the woman, God said, you know, they, they ate of the fruit of the tree where they were not supposed to in case you haven't read that. So they disobeyed. They ate. Satan tempted them and they ate. The consequence, verse 16, to the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. Now do you ladies want to slap her on the back of the head? I don't know what it was originally supposed to be like, but it's not like you had to do. Did you know that came from the fall of man, sin entering the earth? That's where that came from, okay? So uh, 
He says, you will greatly, I'll greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain, you'll give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband. He'll rule over you. All of this male-female junk was better for somebody sinned. Okay? Don't get mad at your husband. Get mad at Eve. She started this thing. I meant the rule stuff. All right, let's keep going. To Adam, he said, watch this. Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Look at this. Cursed is the ground because of you. Everything that had been blessed now was cursed. Everything that had been under his rule and dominion and authority is now cursed. Watch what happens. Work. Do you guys understand this? Work. The Bible says God put Adam in the garden to work it. Work was given to mankind before the curse. Some people think work is the part of the curse. No, he had a job before the curse. Let me give you one more. For all you fathers and of daughters and daughters dating people, uh, he gave Adam a job before he gave him a wife. Well, if you won't go to work, you don't need to go to the altar and get a woman. You don't have a job, you don't need a wife. Okay? Just reading the Bible. So it says, look at this, cursed is the ground. So what, watch this, what had used to be productive and fruitful in their economy was now cursed. Work that had been a blessing now becomes hard because of the curse, okay? He says, through painful toil, you'll eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground since from it you were taken. Things that had been easy became hard because of sin. He says, for dust you are, to dust you will return. Now watch this. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So here's the thing. This thing is bad and it gets worse. So God had put Adam and Eve on this earth to represent him. They walked with him in the cool of the day. Their, their capacity was unlimited. Their joy was unlimited. There was innocence. There was blessing. was good. There was no crime. There was no sickness. There was no death. There was nothing evil, wicked, or unkind going on. What God created was amazing, and he put mankind over it. And then they sinned. And when they sinned, everything that had been blessed now became cursed. Why? Because of sin. Because of the entrance of Satan into this place. So what God had delegated for Adam to do when he sinned, when he was separated from God, you see what happened. He said, they can't stay here any longer. I've got to put some distance between us. They can't be in this place. So now this relationship that Adam and Eve had with God was severed. They were distanced from his presence and the authority that he had been given them was now forfeited. They could no longer have that because they weren't in relationship with God. They ha- as long as you have relationship with God, you have rulership under God. 
Are you with me? I have to have relationship with him to have rulership under him. They lost that. That's bad. It got worse because what had been blessed now became cursed. Every unkind, wicked, horrible thing that has ever hurt you or anyone you love was initiated in that moment. Everything God gets blamed for, the devil instituted in that moment. Sickness, death, disease, poverty, lack, anger, hatred, prejudice, racism, murder, rape, crime, abuse, trafficking. All of that was birthed in that moment. None of it was what God created. So what was bad, Adam and Eve separated from God and forfeited their relationship and their authority became worse because of the curse but it became even worse than that because the authority that Adam had been given by God which he forfeited when he disobeyed God and submitted to Satan's temptation now Satan took that authority that Adam had had on earth and the Bible calls Satan the God of this age a little g not the big God but God of this age And from that time, Satan became the ruling spiritual authority on this planet. It's a desperate thing. It wasn't what God wanted. So let's go to Colossians chapter 2. We need some help. Can somebody say amen to that? We need some help. That's how this whole kingdom started. And God still wants us over here. So Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Let's look at this. Is there some help? Oh, I I missed something really important. Where you're finding Colossians 2. In the midst of that horrible failure, amidst of that incredible loss, God did two things to give us hope. Aren't you thankful God is always giving hope? He's always saying, I know this is bad, but I've got an answer for this. Come on. So one of the things he did, the Bible says that he clothed them with the skins of animals. We read that. So what sin forfeited, Adam and Eve's sinless, uh, uh, innocent presence, they were naked and they didn't know it. You know why? Because they were covered in the glory of God. They were covered in the presence of God. And when the presence of God was removed because of their sin, then they realized we're vulnerable. We're not presentable. And so God took the life of an animal and clothed them to cover them. Sin, there was a pattern there. Sin will always have to be covered, not by something man could do, but by what God could do. And what we forfeit, God can cover and give us another chance. But then we redid in that same passage because he told Eve, he said, uh, this serpent, Satan, who has deceived you and come against you. The Bible's clear that was Satan. He said this, the day is going to come where your seed. Now we know something's a little up there because woman doesn't provide the seed in reproduction. But God said the seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the snake. So he said, I'm going to tell you now in the face of your colossal failure. I have a plan. The day is coming when everything Satan did to you in this moment, everything Satan did to this planet, the day is going to come that something's going to come from woman. Uh, the woman, it's going to be the Son of God, Jesus Christ, born of a virgin. The day is coming when Satan has ruled on this planet with your forfeited authority that I'm going to send a Savior, a Deliverer, a Healer, a Conqueror, and he's going to walk up to Satan, and he's going to take his heel and crush the head of that serpent, and that day's going to come. The good news for you and I is that came 2,000 years ago. On the cross, Jesus came against everything Satan stole from us in that garden and said it's time to restore the order of God. Colossians 2 verse 13. Watch these verses here. 
When you were dead in your sins, that's where we were. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature. <laughs> Look at this. We sang it. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins. Come on, are you watching this? Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us, that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. And it gets better. And having disarmed, did you read that word? And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Everything Adam and Eve lost with that sin and Satan took hold of on the cross, Jesus Christ came, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, shed his blood for our sin, crushed the head of Satan, grabbed us in this dark place, brought us over into the kingdom of God. That's the victory of Jesus Christ. The devil was disarmed. The devil was put to, uh, laid to waste on that day. We've been restored. So I want you to see what sin put on this planet. The cross rescued us from that. And we must begin to understand that. That we are not just people over here still living in this kingdom. Still struggling and excusing and blaming and losing anybody with me today. See, I'm talking to people who are sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm talking to people who don't want to play church. They want to know Jesus. They want to find a way out. They've had enough excuses. See, if you argue for your weakness, you get to keep it. But if you believe God for his promises, you get to grow into it. Come on, that's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking to give people an excuse to sin. I find out they'll sin with or without an excuse. I'm trying to find somebody who wants out. Someone who believes that God can do what he said he could do. See, I, I'm, I'm trying to uh, watch my time here. It's getting bad. Here's what I want you to see. Let me quote some verses. In Matthew 28, after Jesus had been raised from the dead, he had gone to the cross and did what we read in Colossians 2, defeated the devil, been raised from the dead. Not until then did he say this, and and it might be up here. You can put uh, Matthew 28. Let's put this up. This is what he says to them. Notice the time. He didn't say this when he started. He said this after the cross where he defeated and disarmed the devil. And he tells them, Jesus came to them and said, how much authority? How much authority? Where? Oh, and on earth. So up until that time, Satan had had the earthly authority. And Jesus said, I've got a pronouncement to make. You don't have some authority. Now, I want you to understand something. When Adam sinned and Satan stole his earthly authority, God's authority in heaven was never at risk. He didn't get God's. He got man's. Everybody with me? God's authority and power was never at risk. It was what he gave us on earth. So after the cross and the resurrection, he got these disciples and said, Now listen to me. I'm about to give you an assignment. But this is what you need to know before you go. All authority, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Let's look at this next verse. Therefore, because of this victory, because I got back what Adam lost, Because I disarmed Satan and I'm holding it in my hands now. What the devil's had all this time. He said, I want you to go. And I want you to make disciples of every nation. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son 
and the Holy Spirit. And by the way, verse 20, I want you to know, teach them to obey everything I commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If Jesus has all the authority and we are walking with Jesus, then we have all the authority that Adam ever forfeited. It's back in the hand of Jesus. It's back in the hand of the church. Pastor, how do we walk in that authority? If I have relationship with him, I have rulership under him. I call it the alignment of authority. The only way I carry that kind of authority is that I'm lined up under Jesus Christ. Do you see why the devil's always trying to tempt you to get back over there? Because over here, I don't have any authority. See, Adam lost his authority over here. Satan can't make you come over here. Satan can't force you to come over here. Satan cannot do anything to you apart from your will. Adam used his will to sin, and you have to use your will to sin now. Now listen, it's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to give in to temptation. Do you understand? We don't ask to be tempted. The devil does a good job without being asked. We don't ask for that. I want to make that clear. You're not sinning when you're tempted. You're sinning when you bite the bait and get over here for a while. An old preacher told me one time, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head. But if he stops and builds a nest in your hair, that's your fault. You understand? It's not a sin to be tempted. The devil's always over saying, come over here, come over here. Why? Because my authority is here. I have to be under him to have authority. And when I get over here, I'm not under his authority. Then it's just me floundering around in a kingdom I don't belong in. Do you know why many Christians don't see the power of God? Because they keep living over here when we could be living over here. You don't have authority when you disobey. You don't have authority when you're sinning. You don't have authority when you turn your back on God. I know they hurt you. I know they were mean to you. But if you've got to revenge them and be bitter to them and take it in your hands, you don't have authority over here. Over here, listen to me. You can be a one-day-old Christian. And if you're submitted to Jesus, you have to get this. You have all the authority of heaven and earth running through your life. The picture is kings and kingdoms. It's in ancient times when a king, a ruler, a potentate, the one who had all authority in that kingdom, he would send out an edict to his kingdom. They didn't have, you know, internet and cell phones. And so they would write it on a scroll. And they would give it to writers. And they would ride out through the kingdom. And they would stop in the cities. And they would sound a trumpet. And he would unroll the scroll. And he would say... Thus says the king of this kingdom. And as that messenger read that edict, it was as if the king himself was standing there. When he carried the message of the king, he carried the authority of the king. Everybody listened as if it were the king. Do you know that when you're over here, redeemed, healed, forgiven, in relationship with Jesus, and you take the word of God, and you walk up to the devil trying to rip your marriage, your children, your family, your life, and say, the word of God says, you carry the same authority that comes out of the mouth of God Almighty. If I'm in relation with him, I have authority under him. We need to stop acting like, thinking like, talking like we don't have any business overcoming or we don't belong. Stop saying, I'm not worthy. Everybody knows that already. That's why Jesus died on the cross. Stop saying, I don't deserve it. We all know that. We know you. 
Stop saying I'm not perfect. Nobody thought you were. Stop telling us how humble you are. You're not. Like that guy wrote a book, 28 Ways I'm Humble and How I Achieved It. Give God the glory. We don't think the right way. We don't look at the right things. See, over here, my eyes aren't on me. It's not what have I earned? What have I done? My eyes are on the one who died on the cross for me. My eyes are on the one who defeated the devil and disarmed him on the cross. My eyes are on the one who forgave me when I had nothing, who loved me when I was horrible, who, who was there for me. My eyes are on him. I see him. I trust him. And there's an authority that works through that scenario. Let me give you, let me just give you one more verse today. I got a lot, but let me give you one more, okay? Let, let's go to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19. Worship team, you, you can get ready. That's kind of preacher code. We tell worship team, get ready for you to give me two or three more minutes, okay? Makes you think, well, he's almost done. Ephesians 1. You see this word authority? Authority. John 1.12 says, to all who believed in Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. We're adopted in the family. You get that? You're in the family. You're not a visitor. You're in the family. You're not just out on the outside looking in the window. You're in the family. Do you hear what I'm saying today? You got a place in the house. You got a room in the house. God's address is your address. How many are listening to what I'm saying today? You carry his name. You carry his authority. We, our world needs us. Are you listening to me? This isn't a brag on us. It's a realization of who he is. It's not about you and me. It's about him. But we have to understand this authority is ours for a reason. Remember I told you that the devil lost his authority. But can I tell you what? He didn't lose his power. God never lost his authority or power. Adam lost his authority and the devil grabbed it. And when Jesus died on the cross and disarmed him, he took back the authority. Listen to me. But the devil still has power. Do you understand that? I've heard preachers say the devil doesn't have any power. That's not true. The Bible never says that. The devil has power. Are you listening to me? And you know what? He has more power than you have. But he doesn't have the authority we have. Listen to me. Authority is greater than power. Authority is greater than power. I've given you this before. If we come out on this highway here in front of the church, Highway 20, and there's an accident, none of you are going to be in it, right? Because you're blessed. But there's an accident out here. And, And here's these... You know, 15, 18-wheeler monster trucks, powerful. All they have to do to stop all of that is one 200-pound policeman with a badge on representing some authority to stand in that road and do this. I'm telling you, authority is greater than power. Authority will stop every truck on that highway. Authority will bring to a halt the power of all the things man can make. You understand that? The devil has power, so you better not play over here. The devil has power, you better stay over here. Because in the name of Jesus, listen to me, all the power of hell has to stop in the name of Jesus. And you carry that name with you. Grandma, you have that carry. You carry the authority. I don't care if you're 99 and weigh 99 pounds. You are a threat to hell. Gen Z, millennials, I don't care how old you are, where you've been, what somebody said. I'm telling you, you carry the authority of Jesus Christ. 
Your school needs you. Your neighborhood needs you. We've got to walk in the places that God called us and know who we are. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. I want to, I want to leave you with this picture. Ephesians 1, verse 19. Come on, look at some of this. And his incomparably great power. Incomparably great power. I think that'll work. You think that'll work? For us who believe. That power, look at this, is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above. Are you reading this? Far above. All rule, all authority, all power, all dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but in the one to come. I'm going to tell you, that Jesus is a bad boy. That kingdom is a bad kingdom over there. That kingdom has everything you'll ever need, dream, maybe think you would like to have someday. This kingdom has everything to stop every devil that's come against you. This kingdom, this victory of Jesus can stop every demon that's holding your children right now. Can break every stronghold. Can dismiss every generational curse. Can go into every dark place. But I'm not through yet. And God placed. Now you read the power he has. And God placed all things. Under his feet. See, he's the head, right? Come on, keep reading. And appointed him to be head over everything for whom? The church. Ha. Which is his body. Somebody's going to dance in a minute. I'm going to dance. You ought to dance with me in a minute. The fullness of him. The church. The fullness of him. Who fills everything in every way. So watch this. Come on and stand. Stand with me. Don't leave. Stand. Just stand. Come on and stand. Slip your shoes back on. Stand up. Turn your phone off for a minute. So he says that all that power and authority over every title, dominion, now, and any age to come is given to Jesus. And then he says he's the head. We're the body. Right? What you just read? And he says Satan's under his feet. Well, I... Uh, If he's the head, we're the body, and it's under his feet, then you need to write the devil a message on the bottom of your shoes. Because he's under your feet. He's under your feet. He's not on top of you. He's under your feet. He's under your feet. I should have wrote a message on my shoes today. He's under. He's under your feet. Your legal position is on top of him. Your legal position... You don't live under the circumstances. You don't live under anyone else's failure. He's under my feet. Thank you for listening today. We hope you found this message uplifting and encouraging. If you're looking to connect in person, we gather every Sunday at 10 a.m. You can also find us online at calvaryassembly.org. And don't forget to follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for more content, updates and to stay connected with our community.